it wasn't a sports and drinks. So I'm Walker. I'm Powell. Hey, you know, it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We shouldn't have left you without a podcast to step to. Yeah. Had to put that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, just off the, just right from the top, man. Um, I want to give a shout out to just college women's basketball in general. They really had an entertaining season, especially the, the tournament itself. And the Final Four, I think that was the most exciting women's college basketball Final Four I may have ever seen. You know, it went down to Notre Dame. And what was the other team? UConn. And it's just, I mean, nothing like a buzzer beater. At the end of the day, buzzer beater shots will always win me over. You know, this one was the same player. And I can't pronounce her name, but she's a star right now. But, you know, and then I started thinking about why, am I, why do we, what's the separation between women's basketball and men's basketball when it comes to college? Like, why do we separate? Why do, why do we, you know, why do we have them on a different station? Why do we, why do we just, I, I'm not saying they're not, they're different, but it's like we treat them differently. Like the marketing, the, the how the games are played, the time in which they're played, you know, because it was a very exciting year this year, but the time in which they come on and, and those other elements, it was pretty obvious. So what, what you think going on with that? No, I agree with you. Um, I got to jump in a couple of things here. First of all, they beat Mississippi State in the championship. UConn in the yeah. final four. Oh, I say UConn. Yeah, you, UConn. In you the know, final UConn four. is there so much. I'm pro, I'm programmed just to say UConn. You know, no one knows. So. You know how it is. No one knows our Twitter exists until we make a mistake. Then else, everyone wants to tell. Us. <laughs> oh yeah, All right, All right. So yeah, then, so so I, I I'll take those hits because you know, uh, then, uh, UConn's still on the brain. Right, and then um, but I think it was just a great final four basketball period. You know, I think I mean I thought it held right with the men's. It was it was good. I mean. You know, the, the women's the disparity of the teams has been different, you know, for so long, has been so huge. So it's like to see, like, four legitimate teams that all win. I mean, that Notre Dame-UConn game was 91-89. to 89. That's an NBA game score. So, I mean, yeah, was, I mean, you know, I mean, to me it's always been, here I go again starting off with UConn, my apologies, but UConn, Notre Dame, Stanford, Tennessee back in the heyday, kind of at the bottom right now. Um, I'm missing somebody. Who am I missing? Uh, Tennessee, Stanford, Notre Dame, UConn. Oh, Mississippi State. Mississippi State. And so, in South Carolina, excuse me, South Carolina, yeah, you know, those are the top tier teams in women's college basketball. And now, you may say, well, that's not that many teams, but it used to be just two teams, you know? And now it's kind of spreading a little bit. And I enjoy watching it. But, I'm one of those people that I've always watched women's college basketball. I was like, men's college basketball. I mean, I'm a fan of basketball, so it never really mattered to me. But for some people, it really matters. You know, some people, you know, refuse to watch either either one. And I just remember when the season was over, it's all oh, it's so exciting. Um, you know, women's had such a great season. I mean, you shouldn't have to promote that. You had a great season. I mean, everyone should know that. I mean, the need to feel like they have to go and advertise that, I think – said a lot about how different those two things are perceived. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but I think, I mean, all sports are advertised. You can't turn on anything without seeing March Madness everywhere. Right, right. But to, but, to, but let's be fair about it. When you see March Madness, they're not advertising the women's game when they say March Madness. No, they're not. You know what I'm saying? So so it's, it's, it's some things that are done differently there. I mean, just, just talking from the, the, the women's game, I mean... I, 
I generally, growing up, I would watch a lot of women's college basketball just to watch the fundamentals. I always think that the um, women's college basketball show and display more fundamentals that kids need to learn a lot more than the men's game. I've really always felt like that. And so, you know, I've, I've never went away. I've always watched both. But there's some people who just don't do it at all. They just feel like, you know, this team has the best players. They're better than this team. And no matter what they do, they're still going to win or lose. And there's some truth to that back then. But now it's getting, I mean, the field is wide. You know, and I like where it's going. And But I think we have come to a point where, and maybe they're doing this. Maybe I'm just oblivious to it. But, you know, when a college team plays a, another college team, just like high school, you know, let them play. Like, say Mississippi State goes and plays, uh, say, uh, Kentucky. The Mississippi State plays Kentucky, the girls play, and after that, the boys play. And maybe they're already doing that. I don't know, but it needs to be more of a set. Let's all have the same schedule so everyone can enjoy the basketball. Yeah, I think they, they, they're missing an opportunity to intertwine it a bit more. Where I see what you're saying. I mean, the problem with the tournaments is there's so much... Uh, so much basketball to cover on both sides, you know. But yeah, I think that they could have it intertwined just a bit more, and they're gonna have to split it up on stations. But I mean, one thing that I thought was really cool was the um, WNBA draft was televised and had some great ratings. And I think it's because as we're getting more and more good college basketball teams, now there's actually something to watch in the draft rather than just waiting to see kind of where they are now from UConn's roster. Um, right. You know. Right. I mean, you're great. If you go from one or two players that you know in the country to about, okay, now it's about 15, 20, you know, 26 players, something like that. And, you know, and, and this is a part where I didn't feel like the WNBA draft was marked a lot because I was just flipping channels. Oh, it's, it's on. I didn't even know it was on. And I think me and you both, were like, we're really big sports fanatics. Like, how did we miss that? Yeah. You yeah. know? So, so uh, I mean, that that's an issue in itself. I mean, I think it was in New York, I believe. You know, how can such a big sports event happen in New York and not be advertised? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that the women's basketball around should get a little bit more love. But we've been saying that for for years, you know, with the WNBA. We'd like it to see it kind of, I'd like to see the Atlanta Dream and the Atlanta Hawks kind of work together more. Um, kind of have some doubleheader types of things and stuff like that. You know, I think that will do a lot for the fans, a lot for the communities. And it will help both teams out. Yeah, I mean, you you go into the professional side of it, but I mean, I agree too. Like, because they're already, in a sense, under the same, you know, industry. You know, just let's say Atlanta Dream, then Atlanta Hawks. I mean, I think they should go coincide and just go along with each other. And in a sense, maybe even have the same schedule. I mean, like we're talking about this with college, but why not with pros? I mean, why not? You know, we just do such a good job with in high school with the balance. And it was, it's funny because high school doesn't get a lot of things right. But we do a good job with the balance in high school. We have the girls play. We have the boys play. You know, um, college in lower levels, I, don't, I shouldn't say lower levels, but in, in some levels they do play, you know, girls first and then the boys play or vice versa. But it's just not done everywhere. And that's kind of like where I'm going. Like when it comes to televised games and stuff like that, you're not seeing it to that magnitude like you, you see it in, um, in high school. Right, right. Yeah, I think I think they could have a little bit more of that collaboration where it just seems more integrated. So, um, <clears throat> speaking of not working well together, uh, your boy Des Bryant, they, they're not they're not keeping him. Uh, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm not surprised. Like, you know, 
I was more surprised about the attention it got when he was released. Yeah. Because I felt like he was really, he probably should have been let go two years ago, mm-hmm. but with the Ezekiel Elliott thing and that coming in, I think that kind of delayed it. You know, you want to give uh, Prescott a, a a hand to throw to, and, you know, so it just worked out for him to stay. But, I mean, he's a star, but he's getting ready to get superstar money. Like, that contract was getting ready to get really big for him. Right. And he just hasn't played up to that potential. Like, for example, like, you know, I'm a big Steelers guy, no doubt, but he is, Des Bryant is not on the same level with Antonio Brown. I agree. Yeah, and <clears throat> without getting all the technicalities of it and stuff like that, but that's been dissected over, dissected over and over again. Um, he did say he wants to go into a rival team. Um, I think he said something, you know, want to play, uh, get ready to see me twice a, a year or something like that. How do you like, I kind of like that, man. Do you like these guys getting released and wanting to go to a rival team and kind of bringing up some more of that? You know, because professional sports seems like they're all friends now, which <clears throat> that's good, that's fine, and they're getting a lot of good work done, and I like that. But as far as just from a competitive stance, I kind of like the idea of, man, all of a sudden he's on the Giants or even the Eagles or something like that going against the Cowboys twice a year. I mean, you can ask for more. Well, number one, I, I like that attitude. I think they all, to an extent, have that attitude. They just don't come out and say it. But Yeah, I'm I like him sure. vocalizing it. Do you? Yeah. Well, I don't mind. I think that's how he feels, and then he's going to speak up. You know, it's really how he feels. I'm not going to ever, you know, go against that. Well, he does put himself in a little bubble when he, when, when he says that. He selects himself under certain teams when he makes a comment like that. Yeah. So from a business standpoint, it's not the best thing to say. So you, you know it's coming from a sincere place when he says it because mm-hmm. he really narrows down his field of how many teams that he really want to go to. Right. You know what I'm saying? And then the other part about it, I mean, can we picture Des Bryant at Philadelphia? Can we picture him at, with the Giants? I mean, I mean the Giants, they have a long history of not doing well with big-time receivers. I mean, do you really want to put yourself in that situation? Yeah. And the other question is, too, would he would he take less money to go to a team that he thought he had a better chance of winning? Does he think that, you know, is that sort of a shot at Dallas that's a sinking ship? I will take – that's why I wanted all your money. But I'll t- I will take less money to go to Philadelphia where I think I have a chance to win because that's what he would now, have to do to go to one of these teams. Now, I will say this. Even though I'm not surprised that he left, I am shocked that they did not offer him that first. Because I think when you have a player of his caliber, you get that opportunity to say, okay, well, will you take less money? Because you never know what will happen with that. Mm-hmm. Because they, they know, might have behind normally, closed doors. You don't think so? Right. Well, he said they didn't. But oh. normally players take less money when they have a lot of endorsements. They have a lot of money that's coming to them in other areas. You know, just different sorts of income. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't look at theirs. And, you know, we, we don't live in that area locally. We don't know what money he's getting in from outside sources. And I'm willing to bet it's probably, if it's not just football on the zone, it's probably one or two things outside of football. Right. You know, so so he's not probably in the best position to turn down and say he could take a pay cut. Most guys take a pay cut. They got something like, you know, LeBron could take a pay cut. It won't even bother him. Right, because of the you endorsements. Know? Yeah. Tom Brady, I don't know why Tom Brady you, does do it yeah. all the time. Yeah, Yeah, I should not have used a basketball player. But yeah, Tom Brady's a good example. Um, um, Dak Prescott's a good example on his team. He literally makes enough money from endorsements, but he could easily take a pay cut. It won't affect his pay. Yeah, well, and that's kind of what's crazy about, like, these athletes now is, is they're not, you know, we think we always talk about, like, the, the old 90s guys and how into basketball they were and how hard they played, and, you know, 
um, you know, without all kinds of stuff like that. But it's like now it's like there's so much more besides basketball that they're doing or football that they're doing. Football is just one of the things that they do. You know, they're also trying to build their brand. They're also trying to build their businesses. They're also trying to do whatever, get in whatever uh, social justice cause they're involved in and things like that. So it's, it's kind of like unique. I mean, it's like the sport is just one piece of, of their life and of what they're trying to do out there. Um, some of it good, some of it bad. Um, as far as taking away from the game. So it's kind of crazy, like, there's all these factors, you know, as fans, we want to sit there and not consider. You know, they're like, oh, man, yeah, just go wherever you get the biggest paycheck. But there's other things here. It's like, well, maybe I can market this business I'm running in this city better if I, if I play here. And there's all this different stuff that we, you know, we don't even have access to know about. And, and you know, I'm one of those people who really think location is a big deal. You know, and you, your actual personal life, you know, I'm assuming that Des Bryant's a single, you know, don't have any kids, um, I guess that we know of. Um, and, you know, because if you got, say, for example, you're single, you got kids in the area, you probably won't be more inclined to stay. You know, um, if you're married, I mean, your situation does a lot to where you want to go and where you want to move to. I'm thinking that he's pretty mobile, so it really surprised me to see him go to a rival team. But if they did not offer him a pay cut. They didn't give him a chance to put himself in a position to say, I want to stay. Right. So that means they made up their mind from the beginning that he was not going to be here. Mm-hmm. And they're probably looking at other things. And, I mean, you got two you got two rising stars, you know, and that's where I think Dallas is focusing all their attention on is building around them. I mean, they've tried to build and around Dez for a while, and it's not working. And the truth, I mean, to be truthful, I mean, they, Dez worked out for them. I mean, you remember how he came into the league, he had suspension, you know, at Oklahoma State, you know, for that year. They still picked him up. And it was a point in time where they had to have security around just to make sure he would do right, you know. Um, Ezekiel Elliott is not as out there as Dez was, but, I mean, if you're going to do that, do it with one player. You can't have two players like that. Right. I got you. You, know, you, only, you only have so much security staff, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, and and Zeke seems to be more productive at this point in time too. I mean, like Dez, I mean he's not he's not putting up numbers that another receiver can come in and do. You know, yeah. Uh, 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 Ze- Zeke is, you know, I'm, I'm talking like I know the man. You know, no, Zeke no. <laughs> Zeke is putting up numbers that not no other back on their team can do. You know what I mean? Like he's but he's special. And he's worth keeping. He's worth going through the house. When I say that about us, still with Antonio Brown. Yeah, yeah, he can be a headache. Like, I'm like, Bell, running back can be a headache. But they put it's so much results on the field, you can live with some headaches. Yeah, and I think that's always true. I mean, with every, I mean, what you're willing to deal with, you know, just a matter is how, how good you are, you know, as far as an organization. And we let, we let people get along with all kinds of stuff, you know what I mean? I mean, and that's across every sport, you know what I mean? Floyd Mayweather wouldn't have got away with everything, you know, if, if he wasn't such a good boxer, you know? I mean, that's, that's every that's single sport. That's true. But, you know, players like Dez, I mean, they're, they're, there's, there's a lot of talent now. I mean, we just talked about the women's game, how it's, you know, the talent is spread. There's a lot of talent. It's hard for a team to focus their energy on one player and their time on one player when it comes to the salary cap, too, you know? Um, I mean, if it's, if you're not a quarterback or like a, a middle linebacker, it's really hard to pick that up, man. 
it's really hard. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't see, you know, and he's just a receiver. I mean, you can get receivers off a waiver. You already got some of the practice squad. Like, you know, if you have a really good system, a receiver will not affect you as much. You know, so that's that's pretty much my take on that with him. But what, what do you think he will land? What's your number one team? I, don't say the Falcons. I know you're a Falcons fan. But we don't, man, need, we don't need a receiver. <laughs> Y'all don't need a receiver? No, we're, that's the one. That's the only area we're good in. <laughs> we're, we're good there. <laughs> so, okay. So, do I need to flip this whole question and say, what do you need? Or what do the Falcons yeah. need? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think, I, I think Dez should go. I think he should go wherever. Uh, I, I think he should go to the Eagles. I think he should take less money to go to the Eagles. You know, and you know, he would show out. Like, his work ethic would pick up because he would want to stick it to him. Or go to the Giants where he could be a second option, take less money, you know, be a second option the Giants, to Odell. The, the Giants is a good fit for him because he'll get his money financially, but the Giants is a bad fit for him because he probably won't win anything anymore. I don't know, man. The Giants could be sneaky. I mean, they just had a lot of injuries last year. Yeah, but Eli Manning's still the quarterback there. I don't like Eli, but there's something going on. Between him and the offensive line, there's something not clicking. You know, and it's not building up a lot of confidence anywhere. Right, right. What you do you know? think about the uh, NBA playoffs, man? Man, the NBA is exciting. Um, uh, my biggest shock the other day was to learn that Miami in the East was, like, number six. And so I was like, well, who's seven and eight? Because, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Miami, Miami snuck in there, right? Right. So, I mean, I, when we talk about playoffs, I automatically start thinking about the East. Because the West is just a very competitive, you know, they're going to beat each other up at the end of the day. The East is exciting to me because you got Philadelphia, you got Toronto. I mean, you got teams that that have been around for a while, but they're not starting to jail. And I would like Ben Simmons to go against LeBron. I would like to see that. Yeah, I think we're going to eventually. I think there's a good chance that that's going to happen. I mean, I, I mean, I really want to see. It. I'd be really disappointed if I don't see it because the size that he is and what he's doing is very similar to how LeBron was when he first came into the league. Mm-hmm. It's very similar. So I want to see those things happen. But the the team that's the size for me to watch is Philadelphia. Right. On the East, it is Philadelphia. I think that we that we keep talking about the process, and and so it's so nice to see a team advertised their process. They're advertising this is our process. You know, we very rarely see that, especially the NBA. But you, you think this process, though, do you think it encourages tanking? Um, that's a good question. Because we're seeing it work, it, right? Well, do so you think tanking worked with Philadelphia? I think being one of the worst teams and getting three of the best picks worked. Well... I think well, first of all, you can write on the result, but I don't think I don't think it was initial tanking. I think well, this when I hear the well, word we don't know process, if it was intentional. T- we don't know if it was intentional tanking. Yeah, you're right about that. But having losing no, seasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're not Mark Cuban. We're just not going to admit it. You know? Right, right. <laughs> but we're just gonna give I, him a cute nickname and brand it. <laughs> Call it the process. <laughs> right. Hey, don't cubing me. But if. But when I hear the process, I'm thinking about draft picks. Like, they literally draft all of these players. You know I mean? They, and they brought on J.J. Reddick, which to me has revived his whole NBA career. Like, he is a better player in the NBA than he was in college at this point. You know, I can, I can believe that, yeah. 
Right. You know, he's really revived his career. So they they're doing it right by drafting. You know, um, it's it, it just it's just nice to see that because when you when you draft a player, they have a certain loyalty to the city and to the organization because they gave him that shot. So all those players have a legitimate interest in Philadelphia being successful. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, we, we say that, you know, the right way, you know, I've heard you say the right way, you know, you did it the right way, build a team the right way, is by drafting. But then we get upset at teams when they tank and they try to use the draft to their benefit. So, right. you know, like, like, I look at Denver this year. You know, that number nine, that number nine seed in the West, they literally lost one game, kept them out of the playoffs. And they're, and they're essentially going to be punished for it, you know, when it comes to the draft. Where it's like if they were if they got a good draft pick, they I mean they would be another good team in the league that we would be talking about next year. Right. Sacramento Kings Absolutely. or Dallas Mavericks, they get the number one, number two pick. That they're still gonna be the they're still gonna be the same. You know, they might win ten more games, but they're not gonna be. I see in the future some new rules coming out that's gonna combat this issue because you're right. You can if you want to get a number one draft pick. You can. If you make your mind up in the beginning of the season, you can. Mm-hmm. You know, but you lose a lot of fans and a lot of money along the way. And I got a thing for NBA games or NBA, you know, organizations. That's more important because it's so temporary. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like the tank in itself, like, you know, Dallas admitted it. But, but look, look all the money that Dallas lost to do it. Like, I don't think there's... I mean, you must see a golden goose way down the road because the road you're currently on doesn't have any financial gain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was kind of so, surprised this year that the tanking was so evident when it's like is there really anything you, you, there's not a LeBron James or Kevin Durant in this draft class like there wasn't really right. anything that I just thought that was worth that I mean unless I'm missing you know I watched all the college tournament and stuff I mean there wasn't anything to me that was just that uh, promising I mean there's some good players coming out but you know you don't have those generate once in a generation players you know, there's not. It's not like when Kobe's sitting there, or, or you know, the the Wade Lebron Mello draft. That's not happening. There's nothing like that going on. So I was kind of surprised some people were choosing tank this time. And that's what I'm saying with the tanking. At the end of the day, when you're tanking, you're taking a chance on who you draft. Mm-hmm. You know, because no matter how much research, nobody do so much research and look into this and look into that because it's still a guess. At the end of the day, it's your best educated guess. For sure. You know, and so if you want to tank your whole organization for that season based on a good educational guess, you know, so you're that normally comes down to, huh? So you're okay with tanking? Yes or no? Uh, no, I'm not okay with it. I, I got to tell you, but I think, but I'm okay with, I think everybody wants to win, but let's say you're down by 15 and it's fourth quarter and well, let me tell you, we we come up with this problem sometimes in in my son's tournaments, where we know. When I say we, I'm talking about the adults and the coaches. That we don't tell the kids this, but there are times when we know if it's more beneficial for us to lose this game because of who we're playing and where we be seated, than for us to win the game. Now, do we tell the kids that? No, but in the back of our mind, we know it's true. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I can see things like, and not saying that we do this, but because we have struggled with it, you know, you play, you play to win. Well, then there we go out there and we play to win. But I've seen teams, we just do a basic defense the second half. 
or basically they're not going to get fancy or make too many adjustments. And that'll be their way of, you know, we're going to play hard, but we're not going to go all, we're not going to go all through the playbook. You see what I'm saying? Right. So I've seen that. And that, and that's really not tanking. That's just not opening yourself up to a lot of film. That happens in football all the time. Mm. Um, that's not opening yourself up to a lot of film for people to see you doing this and doing that. But you're still playing hard. You're just not going deep in that playbook. Now, to some people, that's tanking. Right. To me, that's not tanking. Tanking is when you say, look, guys, lose this game. Don't make those free throws. Don't do this. Don't do that. That's tanking to me. Mm-hmm. That's tanking. If if uh, a group of guys got a game at five o'clock and it's and they're in a current three thirty game, you're not going to push them as hard if you know that it doesn't matter if they lose this game. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a little different. Yeah, when you start getting the double headers and stuff like that, you know what I mean. I mean, that, yeah, well, and I'm trying to relate the two. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's tanking. I think they still come out there and play. But I don't think they're going as deep in the playbook as which a lot of people would think they should go. Right. 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 You know what I mean? Like, say, say Golden State getting beat by 40-something points the other night before they started the playoff run, that game was not significant to them. So they played, but they played basic defense, you know, basic offense, not a lot of pick and rolls at the top. You know what I mean? Like, it just, they're very subtle about their game. Right. They and still I don't, play. And I, you know, I understand that, like, some specific circumstances, it's okay, you know, and I think a fan even understands a specific game, like if the, when the Hawks are, you know, the Hawks are, you know, if they've already locked, you know, that year they already locked in the number one seed or when they've locked in the number two seed in the East, it's already clinched. I know if I go to the last regular season game, I'm not going to be upset when Al Horford and Paul Millsap are on the bench. Like, I, I, get, I get losing specific games, and, you know, Popovich would always do that too. You know, if, if, if the playoffs are already decided and he's playing a West Coast team that he might see in the playoffs, you know, he doesn't put his whole line about there because he doesn't want you to practice. Uh, he doesn't want you to have a practice game against them where you can see what they're going to do. Um, so I understand, like, specific circumstances losing. But I think when you're talking about tanking, you're talking about just you've given up on the season. You, you, you're not even trying anymore. And that's kind of one of those things of, like, do you, how do you like that as far as, you know, the competitiveness, the competitiveness that it's showing society, the competitiveness that it's showing up and becoming basketball players, where it's like, oh, we're not going to win the championship, so let's just give up. We're not going to give these fans a fun game to watch tonight for the people that paid money for it. We're just going to throw in the towel and hope that we, like you said, take an educated guess in the draft because that's fun. Everyone wants to watch people take educated guesses. Um, so it's kind of like, you know what I mean? I'm more of like, where do you feel about that? Well, see, now we're talking because now we've defined what tanking is. A lot of people in their mind, tanking is what we both said. Mm-hmm. So once you de- kind of define what tanking is, I don't think anyone on any level should have a problem. I mean, this happens in football when the playoff season already been decided and they, they take their starters out. We hear about this all the time. Yeah, see, that's just that's just lo- that's just you know losing you know for the future. I mean, that's that's a little different. You know, when right. when everything's locked up, everything's but, decided already. But when you're not being competitive and you're choosing not to play, mm-hmm. I think the which, fans... Well, which means you're choosing not to entertain. You know, you're entertainers. You're choosing not to entertain the fans. You know, Right. And now I think it should be free to the fans. Mm-hmm. When you get to that point, actually, that's a nice rule. You know, if I was commissioned somewhere, I would put that as a suggestion. I would say, if you've already have got the top seed or wherever you're going, then... After that, the game should be free because 
since we can't determine whether you're tanking or not, and you're in the position to do that, then don't have fans paid. Well, you know, I, I agree with that, or just discount it. You know, we, it's just, you know, if, let's just say, let's just say we can't stop tanking. Because if we say, if you say you get fined for it, then people are just going to find technicalities. Oh, we weren't, this guy has a quote-unquote hurt, hurt leg, so he didn't play. Or, you know, oh, we were trying out somebody from the G League. Um, you know what I mean? It's going to be, uh, that's going to happen no matter what. So you can't really, it's kind of like resting. You really can't put a, 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 a penalty on it because these businessmen, they'll just find a way around it to, you know, te- you know use your words against you and technically it's not tanking because, you know, they just were sitting people out or whatever. So I think that you could just declare tanking, okay, you know, like, the, like Mark Cuban did. We are tanking this season. And then the NBA can run a promotion where, okay, tank tickets are now on sale, where they're reduced tickets, where you're still filling out a stadium. People are getting to go to games who wouldn't normally get to go to a game. No, you might not see the stars, but you're still getting to go to a basketball game. You're still getting to eat a hot dog and drink a beer when you wouldn't usually get to go there because you can't afford it. And I think that they could run promotions and they could just, you know, lean into it more. Now, I agree with everything you said. I like that concept. Go ahead and just call it tank tickets. Go yeah. ahead and double T. Go yeah. ahead and give it a name. Yeah. Um, the part that that um, I would jump in, the reason why I feel this way about that, and I'm agreeing with you, is because just like hotels and anything else, the price goes up when a, when a, when a big-time team comes in town. You know, like, those tickets are not what they were last week. Mm-hmm. They're just because L.A. is coming or Boston's coming or, you know. So it'd be only fair on the other side to do the same thing with the tickets. Right, exactly. So let's say at the beginning of the season, I bought tickets and I paid a lot of money for when Phoenix was coming to Atlanta. By the time Phoenix comes to Atlanta, because I'm a huge Devin Booker fan, if by the time Phoenix comes to Atlanta, they're tanking, Devin Booker's not playing... So, you know, and now, but you're still taking full price from me as if they're not tanking. Um, you know, that's just not, it should just, it should just be a thing. Now, where you get to a hard time, it's like, okay, what about when they play teams that aren't tanking? You know, like when, when Phoenix plays Cleveland, obviously Cleveland's not going to lower their prices. But at least the home games, you can lower your prices. Right. And, and, and that's a big deal. That's a big issue. And we kind of went with this when NBA players last season were resting and kids couldn't see their favorite player. It was really the same situation yeah just a different reason which i get i you know and i think us as sports fans we all understand like you talked about like with your son's basketball tournaments where there are times where you might not need to go 100 percent so that you could do better later on everyone i think everyone is pretty on board with that they get that like week 17 of the um nfl everyone's completely okay with that and they everybody knows what you're signing up for when you sit down on your couch on sundays you know, I think fantasy football is the only thing that really keeps the ratings up on Week 17. You know what I mean? Of, of really. Where people try to get clever. Um, uh, you know, get them, get those deep those deep bench cuts. Go ahead, you're the bench, fellas. Yeah. Let's see what we got. Yeah, everyone's fighting over Kirk Cousins calls on his game matters. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> right? Yeah, but... Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think everyone understands why you'd be losing like that. I just think that we should adjust the price accordingly. You're missing an opportunity of people being able to go to these games and check them out. And they're still going to see professional athletes. 
you know, even if you're not seeing the mega, mega stars, you get what you pay for. You're still getting to see some professional athletes in their jerseys. You're getting to see the mascots. You're getting to see the dancers. You're getting to hear the music. I mean, there's still a lot of good things to go to a game, especially if you're a big fan. Like, I mean, I'll go to the Hawks game when they're terrible because it's just still so much fun. So I think there's still something to it that they could, you know, they could capitalize on. And if they just, just let's just admit what's going to happen. Let's own it. Let's charge accordingly. There you go. All right. And so I we solved it. It's, it's all. <laughs> there you go. And, and we need our compensation for that, too, because, you know, someone's listening. They're going to take that idea. You know what? Well, Welcome Power got a pretty good idea. And they're going to use our idea, and then when we're out of our money of our idea that you guys are using. So, <laughs> <laughs> we got that. But, you know, this happens in all sports, though. Like I said, we kind of did the dab in different sports as we were talking about it, but it's, it's such a problem, you know. And to this point, the lottery pick or what, I mean, you can see steps they're trying to do to prevent that. It's a very hard thing to prevent. Mm-hmm. It's very, I mean, it is a very hard thing to prevent. Yeah. You know? So, so we got that there. Oh, but you, you, you brought up something. I got to bring this guy up. What's the player, Ingram, that played for the Lakers that came out of the, uh, the D League or the play for D League? Just hit a bunch of threes? Just oh, what? Up the yeah, house? yeah, it wasn't Ingram. Uh, you're not talking about Ben Ingram. He was, he's been there. Um, no, but, well, I think his last name was Ingram. Oh, Ingram is it? Okay, okay. Is it a different one? Okay. But, yeah, but I don't. I mean, this thirty-two-year-old rookie. Thirty-two-year-old yeah. was pulled up from the D League. But he's been in the D League for ten years. Mm-hmm. Like that's a love of basketball right there. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I'm glad he got a shot because they don't yeah. pay D League players nothing. Yeah, I was gonna ask. Do we know what a D League player's salary is? I mean, is it is it like is that something you can make a career out of? Or it's like that... twenty thousand. Oh, really? stuff it's on that the side. Low. Okay. Yeah, like yeah, it's like it's, it's like ridiculous, man. Mm-hmm. Like. The fact he was in there that long is already amazing. But before I heard anything else, he was there for 10 years. Yeah. Man. At least he got a spotlight, man. Yeah, I know. Like, I mean, and maybe it was worth it for that one shot right there. But, you know, I think that's a little bit abusive to a degree. I mean, you could pay those players more. I mean, and I say that because baseball, they don't do their players like that. The minor leagues, you could actually have a minor league career and be mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, well, I think you could even extend the salary cap, but say, you know, the top 20% is for the D-League or something like that, where even if you're a really good D-League player, at least the really good players could get paid well. Because I, I agree with you. I think you should be able to make a living off of playing basketball if people are watching it with how much money the NBA is making. And I know we talked about this before, but the WNBA players, they're not too far off mm-hmm. from the, the NBA D-League players. I mean, they're making more. I, I think they're about twenty eight thousand in that general area. You know, no, they're more they, money than that, aren't they? You think so? I don't know. Man. I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, you hear? I guess I'd like players, to think so. Yeah. Right. You hear players talk about going across seas. I'm talking about the um the, the women say they're going across seas. They get more across seas. You know, which the men can't say that professional. NBA players, I still believe they get more when they come back to the country, you know. But the women definitely always talk about going across seas. And it's just something to be aware of, you know. Like I said, my numbers may be off, but I know it's not as much as it should be. Right, but they're not getting paid what they should. Okay, I mean, that's, that's the Right, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's a result from the marketing and how we go about it. But these D-League players, I mean, I don't know how long can you survive in the D-League until you're like, okay, I think the D-League is designed to 
put you there for about two or three years, and you're kind of wing yourself out on your own. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah, it's well, not glamorous. Well, I think I think with the I will say on on another side though, I think with the kind of getting switching gears just a little. With the D-League and the going overseas, now that travel and everything is just kind of, you know, the, the, our world becomes smaller, that's just more of a possibility. Between <clears throat> the D-League and going overseas, I think this is it. Um, and uh, we need to just get rid of the one-and-done rule. Um, it's pointless. And all it's doing is getting in colleges in trouble. Like, I think that it's getting colleges in trouble more than it's helping the NBA. Oh, oh yeah, you know, we did all this talk. We didn't talk about the big... The big yeah. scandal. Well, about, right. Um, and, and what I was going to say is, as far as, you know, keeping these players in college, these players aren't helping college. Look at Ben Simmons. You know, um, he didn't do anything in college, but look how funny he is to watch the NBA. And he was purposely, you know, sandbagging so he didn't hurt himself, which I don't blame him, you know, when you're that kind of an elite player. And, and no, I was going to say, to your point, maybe that will be the determining reason of why they let the players go. Because if players go to college knowing they're already an NBA prospect and just don't play as well, it's going to ruin the college game. Exactly. Yeah, what's, what's the point? And I think now, I think now, maybe years and years ago, I can see where you wanted these players to go through college. But now I think college is its own entity so much. March Madness with the brackets and the technology we have with it all now. March Madness is not going anywhere. It doesn't matter if it was high school players, middle school players. It doesn't matter what. March Madness isn't going anywhere. And we saw that with Loyola and everyone getting on that. I think that if you were to take out those elite players and let them just go ahead and do what they want to do, if you want to draft them, draft them. Let them go overseas if they want to. Let them go play. I mean, because think about it. Graduating high school at 18, going to the D-League, making $20,000. That sounds pretty good, man. It took me a long time at high school. Oh, yeah. $20,000. Hey, it sounds good to me now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So let these guys go do what they want to do. And don't worry about the college thing. Keep the college just for college players. You might see some more elite players, people who are actually using. And then that would kind of get rid of the whole paying college players thing, too. Because it's like, no, you can come to college if you want that free education at a tier one school. You know but, what I mean? You know, but, but let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about these high school players that are famous. Because, mm-hmm. you know, being around, like I said, my no, son, he's not even into high school. He's getting ready to be. But, right. you know, we go to these tournaments and stuff, and we see these famous high school players. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and there's a lot of money being made in these tournaments. We all know we're using each other. That's, for, that's all understandable. We're all using each other to get where we need to go or to get to develop or whatever. Everyone has their reason. But... These guys that are famous in their juniors and seniors in high school, and I'm talking nationwide, famous like, you know, uh, the ESPN slam dunk competition, they got Zion Williamson on there. We all know who he is. I mean, he's not making any money from this, but just him being there makes millions of dollars for ESPN or whatever tournament he's in. And, you know, they're still considered, I mean, we're talking, we're trying to say that college athletes are amateurs. I mean, high school players are still high school players, but yeah, they're generating so much money now. At some cool. point, you know, we're gonna have to compensate even the high school players. Yeah, well, I think if you took out, well, the only thing that's stopping these players from being compensated is them going to college. Because when you're in college, you there's all these rules of you can't make any money, you can't have a job, you can't do this, can't do that. Zion Williams, if he's if he turns eighteen. And someone, you know, Adidas wants to throw some money at him. 
why he goes overseas or goes to the D League or good enough if he goes into the NBA. No, but see, my, my thing is high school now. Like, mm-hmm. what's wrong with him getting money in high school? Well, I mean, I have no problem with that. That would, I mean, it's, it'd be the same thing. But, but that, that's the, what I'm saying because we're talking, we're talking about him, and I, I already just know who well, he I'm is. Well, I'm saying what's stopping that is knowing that he's eventually knowing they. Their parents, because they, even if he's under eighteen, then you, you still have parents. I mean, we see it with, uh, we see it in Hollywood all the time, right? Um, the, yeah. What's stopping it is no one's offering them contracts, no one's doing anything, knowing that he's going to have to go into college and not, and none of that's going to be legal. All right, so this is so where that's what I'm saying. If we remove college, if we remove college for the elite players of that having to be something they have to do, then I think that it would fix that. I think that then you know someone wanted to go talk to. A high school player or his parents or whatever they could do it like i said we see it happen well, with child stars in hollywood all the time well, well let's look at it like this okay because i'm getting more into the know as i you know follow my son around and learn about these things let's take colin sexton and a lot of people may not know what colin sexton is he's a he's a basketball player from georgia i believe he's from mapleton georgia played went to alabama played with alabama he was one of the, you know very high highly talented high school player he would go to different tournaments and go here and there. The kids already knew who he was as a junior, as a senior in high school. Now, we both agree, why not give them money while they're in high school? But they're already wearing brands on them when they're in high school. They have uh, a Nike or Adidas or you know whatever the case may be already part of their team that they're on. So they're already wearing a brand themselves. And that's kind of where I'm going is that we're calling college players amateurs, and we know they need to get their money. But it is very, it is a slippery slope. It has trinkled down to high school in, 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 a, in a really big way. I mean, we can say that high school kids do get benefits in their local communities. I think we all know that to a certain degree, oh, and that's sure. fine. Right. But I'm saying on that national scale, with someone like Colin Sexton, I mean, my, you know, my son exactly know who he is. Everywhere he would go, he would generate money. But he, if he's going to be in this tournament, they're going to announce that him and his teams, like Zion Wilson, Wilson. They're going to be in this tournament. They're going to be doing this, that. Automatically, the ticket prices go up or this and that go up. You're making money because that person is there. That person should be receiving something for that. And, yeah. and you know, like I said, it's college-like, but it's happening now at the high school level. Mm-hmm. No, I you agree. Know, and it, it, it's really getting crazy. No, I agree. And I think that, and I still stand by, I think removing the one-and-done one, one one rule would solve a lot of that. Because I think then it's like if... If someone wants to come because who who's giving him this money? Who are you saying should pay him? And the high school's not going to pay him. They can't. You know what I mean? Well, I'm well. I'm, I'm saying like you know, if he's well, he wants to get professional, then let whoever let a scout let let scouts fight for him. You know what well, I mean? That's, well, that's what I'm saying. If you remove the one and done rule, then they can get an agent if they need to. They can do whatever. Have scouts talk to them. They can do whatever, and all kinds of things would open up. Yeah, I'm with that. Yeah, I'm with that. I think that's a bit going, but like just. Just seeing, I mean, it's a whole other world. I, I, I mean, I'm, I find myself constantly learning, you know, new things and, and, and just how the, how the system goes and and just the money that's being made. I'm right now I'm just talking about these middle school and high school. I'm saying middle school now, but the middle school and high school, these tournaments, man. I mean, they're, I mean the, the ESPN top high school team, when they play each other, there's money being generated by these, here we go, student athletes. Again, the very people that have to be making them, everyone's making the money off of, they're not getting any piece of the pie. Right. But um, it's just like it's just incredible. And it, the, for a high school kid, the popularity or the drive and having your ranking up there that means a lot to them because they know they can, they got a higher chance of being something later on. So well, I think too when you get when you get young too, I think that 
you know, and that's why it would have to come from endorsements and things like that, let, and letting private companies decide where they want to spend their money. You know, Jordan wants to give money to this kid or something. Because the turn, the as far as, like, whoever's hosting the tournament and stuff like that, to pay the players, like, if your son says, oh, I'm not, I'm not coming to this tournament unless you play, the supply and demand is so high. If your son says, I'm not coming to this tournament unless you guys play, uh, pay me, there, I mean, there's literally a thousand kids waiting to take his spot. Right. So, well, but so the it's thing about like, it, we, we, no, no, I agree with that. We're talking about those those four or five kids right. in the country that mm-hmm. that they generate money because they step into the gym. Those yeah. kids should get something. Right, and that should come from whoever's putting on that tournament, Gatorade or whoever it is. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. they should pay them to make an appearance. That's how it should go down, I think. Well, just like when it was really big last year on LeVar Ball in the tournaments, they made money for him being there. And when he pulled himself out of certain tournaments, the tickets went down and the popularity of that tournament went down. Mm-hmm. Like, like they, they needed, like, when the ref, I'm trying to, I'm thinking as I'm talking, but when the ref ejected him out of the game, Adidas made a statement, I believe it was Adidas, made a statement to the ref, like, just try not to kick him out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. keep him there. That, that's generating profit. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a business in itself, right? And if that if you're gonna open that up, then you have to open that up contractually, where he has to stay there, because then that's giving him too much power of like, oh, I'm not gonna show up today. You know, it's it's he'd have to you'd have it have to go both ways. You know what I mean? Where it's like they'd have to have a yeah. contract that you're obligated to be here, you're obligated to do these certain things, and then that kind of gets in a weird spot of like now you're kind of whatever I like about Lavar Ball is he doesn't have to answer to anyone, right? Exactly. And so. If you all of a sudden put him under your umbrella, now you're under a business. Now he gets in that whole thing, you know, with everybody of like, oh, now he can't say this. Now he can't do this. You can't show this opinion. You know what I mean? Oh, that doesn't speak for us. So it's kind of like that's where it's really hard with a guy like him. Is you, you want him there. He makes you money, but you don't want to claim him. And you don't want to claim everything he says. But you don't want him to stop saying what he says because that's what makes the money. So it's kind of hard. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, it's, like it's, it's like the girlfriend that yells at you all the time, that it gets on your nerves, doesn't do anything positive. But she cute. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to get in trouble for that. But, you know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. That, right. that was Walker's uh, messy metaphor, by the way. <laughs> right, yeah. It didn't go as planned, but I think everyone understood where I was going with that. I, I really cleaned that up, by the way, saying cute. Yeah. <laughs> I really cleaned that up. Though. Mm-hmm. But, uh, oh, man, um, you know, um, it's, I, I have a subject I'm going to touch on. I don't know how to get there. Let's just jump um, into it. Yeah, since I already started with with yeah. that, yeah. um, let's, I want to say something about track and field, man. I want to say something about track and field. Wow. And I want to talk about. <laughs> really I know, right? You, yeah, you, I, I mean, I'm getting ready to like. I thought you were going to give me some, something big. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. I want to talk about track and field from. The young males and older adults, as far as male perspective, all right? Um, you know, track and field is a wonderful sport. You know, uh, all the different events and things like that. But we're getting more knowledgeable and more about, you know, equal justice for women and the men, those type of things. And, you know, is it a form, like, having our women athletes out there, and men to agree, too, are we like openly trying to make women more sexy 
as they run track. Now, I can tell, I can speak for this for gymnastics too. Oh, we got we got guys that are going just to see the woman and not to see the competition. And I'm wondering, and I'm starting to see, I'm especially like the the 400, you know, sprint or, or that's 400, not a sprint, but you know, 100 yard dash and those type of things. I'm starting to see these sexier outfits for the women. You know what I'm saying? And there's guys that are going to see these events that don't have no, don't even have interest in track and field at all. You know, you can put this in volleyball, you can put this in gymnastics. Yeah, I'm putting my foot in my mouth. So, <laughs> uh, so oh, is it more of a sexy thing or is it more of a competition thing? What's generating the money for track and field, volleyball, and gymnastics when it comes to women athletes? Now, that's a, that's a question I can get in trouble for. But it's an honest question. I mean, I, I have no idea, man. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I don't know if there's a way to measure that. So you're asking, are these sports trying to sell attractiveness a little bit? I don't think it's a little bit. I think it's um, I think it's over fifty percent mm-hmm. because so, I'm looking at the uni- lot, yeah. the the, un- the uniforms are changing. You know what I mean? And and I'm a big fan of track and field, especially on certain athletes and you know, stuff for breaking records. So I'm I'm seeing this over the last couple of years. Like man, like them uniforms are really getting you know, like that's not even necessary. And for someone who's done or been around track and field, like that's not necessary to have. But it's necessary for TV if you're trying to sell. You know, um. Ads or sell ratings, like there, there's a part to it that's kind of promoting um, sexiness, if that's even a well, word. And I, well, I think, and I think that's something that's always happened, and I think that's okay as long as the person is okay with it. You know, it's it's your rights, your body, your rights. So long as the person is okay with it, um, that's up to them. If they're being forced to, you know, to be in an ad that they don't want to be in or look a certain way they don't want to look, that's. Well, We'll That's see. a totally different thing. But if they're okay with it, but look at, um, I can think of Serena Williams and Dwayne Wade to go from this from both sides. Two very good-looking people that people like them because they're good-looking. And I feel like, you know, they get put into things because they're really, really talented, um, some of the best in their sports, and they're also really good-looking. And I think that that is, makes them kind of the double threat, right? And I think that's always happened. I mean, you look back at tennis with Anna Kornikova, and, and, you know, she wasn't even... Ranked very high. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we, talked, we, we talked about it, too. Yeah, like, yeah, there's she, a reason why she, she was going to go with that. Like, like, and she seemed like, okay with that. She seemed okay with that being part of her brand. And she seemed okay with marketing that. And I think that's all it comes down to is long, long as someone's doing something that they're cool with, if, if they, you know, you want that to be part of your brand, that's all, you know, that's, right. that's okay. So, but I don't think it's so, new. I mean, look back at Rick Fox. I mean, Rick Fox wasn't as yeah. good as you saw his face. You saw his face all the time because he's incredibly handsome. So it's, you know, yeah, that's a handsome man. That's, that's a handsome man. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> so, but you, that's why they always want to put him on the cover of everything because it's like, well, look at him. And, um, yeah. So I think that's, it's, but he was very okay with it. You know, outwardly tried to be, you know, is, well, not try to be, is an actor and model and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, I, I think that's all it comes down to. I think people like good-looking people, you know, it, and the, it, it draws attention to them. And I think that if, if people are cool with it, that's, all, that's on them. All right, so here's the big debate, all right? So I just talked about this, and we automatically start giving professional athlete examples. But when I was asking the question, I was thinking a lot more about college athletes. Like, they don't have a choice. Yeah. They don't have a choice. They don't have a choice. They can't have a brand. Yeah. You you see where I'm going? No, that's that's a whole different ballgame, yeah. Because, you know, there was one particular time where I was – 
know, a couple of teenagers or whatever. It was in, um, uh, I guess it was a mall area or whatever. And they had the TV on in the mall area. Like, why are those teenagers watching the volleyball, a volleyball match, a college volleyball match? Yeah, I looked at it. I thought, oh, that's why. Mm-hmm. The kids don't know nothing about volleyball. I mean, these particular kids that they're watching, they don't know nothing about volleyball. But they know about, you know, that, the sexiness that is promoting. Like, yeah, it gravitates your attention. But we just talked about professional athletes. College and some degree, some high schools, they don't have much of a choice. They kind of like have to bow down to what they have to wear based upon the sport they want to play. Yeah, well, I just think that then the colleges and high schools have to be really careful that if, if someone says that, you know, I, I don't want to wear this or, or, you know, they need to allow that and they need to respect those wishes. You know, if someone's not saying anything, um, that's kind of hard too because it's like, well, what if they feel like they can't because they'll be off the team. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a really tough spot. I think they maybe need some mediators, some adults in the in those positions who are making sure they're, they're being the voice for these young women and young men and, um, in those kind of situations. Well, I didn't know it's, it's a lot more, things are a lot more outspoken than they, than they have been. But to ignore and say that it's, you know, there's, there's a, a section watching it all because of competition will be just lying. Yeah. You know, you know so it is, it's just one of those things where, you know, when you, when you appreciate this point, you see the changes that it, it goes through. And, I, I mean, we're talking about, um, like I say, professional college, but the high school level is getting a little, high school mimics the college. And in the day, whatever the college is doing, high school will mimic it to a certain degree. And um, and um, and we're starting to see that now also. So um, it it was a it was a question to put my foot in my mouth a little bit, but at the same time, it was a needed question. And I look at it almost in the same context of you know when a college team wins a national championship, something here comes the debate: Are you going to the White House? Are you not? Well, no one really ever makes a fuss with college teams because the college players don't have a choice. Yeah. It's only a fuss with the professional teams, you know, so no one, you know, and it's almost to the point where it's understood, like, yeah, just, you know, college, just go. You right. Don't have well, that's why I think if we just eliminate the rules where the elite athletes can can do what they want to do, and then and then they do have a choice, because now it's like, it's voluntary, voluntary, you know, if, if you know, if, if you don't want to go to the White House, then I probably wouldn't play at UConn. I'd probably go somewhere else if I'm looking, you know. That's true. To to be That's a female true. athlete, you know, I'd probably go somewhere that's probably not going to go to the White House. Or or can you imagine if a college coach gave his college players the choice? Like that hasn't happened. So on, on any sport for college, but if they gave them the choice, like okay, guys, you don't want to go, don't go. Like that would make news because they're yeah. all forced to go. Like, and hopefully we're heading that, and hopefully we're heading that way. Mm-hmm. You know where they are given a choice because if you if you don't want to go, you shouldn't have to go because um, this is this you. Your scholarship is for playing basketball, um, and you know, and I think well, that, whatever sport, whatever sport, or, yeah, or, yeah, you know. whatever sport happens to be. Um, or I mean, I I can get really biased. Why don't we select the certain sports? I mean, how come the national swim team that won a championship can't go to the white? Well, I'm not. I don't even know if they do or not. But mm-hmm. it seems to be just like the core three major sports go, yeah. and not anyone else. Yeah. Well, that's one of those things too. It's like maybe I mean, and if they don't want to, if college doesn't want these political statements and they don't want to get into that because. Because I think you're right. I think people are having more and more of a voice with social media and stuff like that. I think that people are going eventually. That is going to eventually be an outcry. So, you know, you might go, but you're going to make it very well known that you didn't want to be there, which then makes the college look bad. You know, (laughs) kind of a, I'm just here so I won't get fined situation. Um, Mm -hmm. So you want to be careful of that. So I I don't know, man. Is 
Visiting the White House absolutely necessary for our sports teams. I mean, is that is that Apparently something that has very to deep, happen? Deep down, it's very deep down visit that has to that you have to attend. Like I, I just don't. Um, I mean, is it, I mean, is that a tradition that needs to keep going? Now that now that athletes are are they've they've we've had several athletes voice their opinion that they don't want to go. So is that something we need to keep? Let's just let's just not make it a thing. That way, it's not political. It's whatever. Just remove it from it, and it's like. Why, why does the visit in the White House have to be a thing? I'm not sure it was ever a tradition to begin with. I don't know when it started to become such a, uh, you know, such a modern thing, you know. I'm not sure if it was a tradition in the first place. I, I don't see the reason why someone who wins a championship visits the White Like, why are you visiting the capital of our nation because you won the championship in your sport? Mm-hmm. Like, those two don't even go together to me. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know why it needs to keep... Even being you know, now, now I see like you know I know like Obama was from Chicago, uh, Trump is from New York I think, um, Bush is from Texas. Now if you if, they, if they, you know if the team which you're from won, then I think okay that makes a lot of sense. Like you know which it probably would never happen it didn't happen. With Chicago Bears would have won a Super Bowl. Yeah, I can see them going to the White House when Obama was there. You know what I mean? Well, or, I mean- well, yeah. Dallas I mean, with Bush or something. You know what I mean? I can see that. Like, that makes all the sense in the world to me. I just don't need to be, yeah, I just don't know why it needs to be a set uh, thing that has to happen. If, if yeah, if the Chicago Bulls win and Barack Obama wants to send an invitation that you have the choice whether to accept or decline. That, right. you know, if that's just something he wants to do personally, that's fine. But why that has to be, you know, before the NBA season, we already know that this year's winner is going to be expected to go to the White House. I don't. I just don't know why it has to be set in stone. That that's yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't yeah. know. Like, we're arguing something that wasn't even an argument six years ago. Like, why are we? Why is it such a diehard decision now? Yeah, you know? I know. I agree. You know? Yeah, let's just and let's just get it out of there. Just separate. <laughs> you know, let's <laughs> get it out of there. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, but politics and sports. You know, people like to think when they're merging together. And I think sports is a reflection of society and. When society's having issues, it's going to rear its head in the sports. Sure. So, you know, I mean, there, there's athletes out there that I, I completely disagree with. There's athletes that I completely agree with. And I want to hear both because even though I disagree with you, I don't want to shut you up because I disagree with you. No, that's important not to. Yeah. You know, but I think so much of it is, okay, if you're not saying what I'm saying, then you don't need to talk. Like, it's just a lot of that going on in sports now. There's a lot of that going on. I mean... If the owner has a different political view than the GM or the players or something like that, they still should be able to work together inside, you know, the organization because they still have two legs and two arms and a brain and a mouth. You know what I mean? Like, like it yeah. shouldn't, you shouldn't be that divisive, you know, because, you know, what does that say about everyone has to think alike? Yeah, well, it's kind of hard with sports too because it's like you can't really get around like how much these guys are employees. For the, for the business of, you know, the Dallas Cowboys or whatever it happens to be, and how much they're private contractors. Because the owners sort of use them off and on as they see fit to their, you know, to their convenience. Right. So that, that's right. what's kind of hard about this. It's like, oh, now you're my employee, but now you're kind of a private contractor because I can let you go tomorrow with no explanation of why I'm letting you go. So it's, it's, it's really kind of a unique situation with, with sports, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I think it's just a touchy for a lot of people because people want to hear what they want to hear. You know, 
Um, and I think that, you know, even if you disagree with it, like, just hearing another point of view, there's nothing wrong with that. Right, right. You know, like, you know, with it, but I'm saying that because, like, it seems to be now, like, with the whole Kaepernick thing and with certain players, like, that seems to be a really big point in their interview process or they go to these different teams and try to find other jobs with other organizations. Like, you know, that their political point of view or how outspoken they are really is affecting their job market potential. And it really has no, to me, nothing to do with their athletic capabilities. And, you know, we're seeing that now. And we're only seeing it right now in football, though. And I don't know why. Because it happens all the time in basketball. Well, you know, it just doesn't affect them to the degree. I don't know why football is like a designated sport to, uh, you know. Um, well, I think I think because football, there's just so many less games. I mean, a, a you know, a, a low rating Thursday night on NBA on TNT, isn't going to stand out as much as one Sunday low ratings. You know what I mean? So I think that that's I think football is just the less games that the fans can make a bigger impact if they're not watching or they, you know what I mean? The fans just seem to have more power in it, you know, versus right, baseball, right. football, where they have so many games, so much televised that, you know, ratings kind of more of a roller coaster anyway. Well, yeah, it's something definitely, uh, but it's nothing's going to go away overnight. You know, like I don't, I don't want players to, I don't want players. I don't want owners. I don't want anyone to stop having their opinion. Like they can't say it, you know? Um, yeah. I think you start, you know, well, it's going to get weird, too, because, like, the Seattle, when they talked to Kaepernick, I mean, they, they hourly said, we support, you know, your cause, but we still want to know, are you going to do that, you know? And, well, see, and, and, and my, my thing about it was, it to me, who cares if you support it or not? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, what's, I'm okay with it and support it, yeah, but I just have to be on the side while I'm okay with it. But right. my thing about it, like, should it even matter whether they support it or not? Like, that, that's, that shouldn't be the, you know... The, the statement to even make like we support it like who cares if you support it no I just more mad like as far as the Kaepernick thing it's just like even even though we support it we still can't hire you is basically what they're saying if you're doing this because of the because the fans have so much control that's more what I meant yeah, but, they, they but, yeah, but yeah you're right about that yeah you know, like, yeah, you know saying, like, you know, you don't have to support the person what he's saying, just, you know, understand, yeah, hey, did they really believe they have other things going on outside of football, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to Kaepernick, I think he's found a larger calling for himself. I think that, um, football is so, like, you know, something he could do if it, if it happens, but he, he, he's, he's become a, uh, an icon for a lot of injustice type situations, and I think that may be his bigger calling. Like, you know, football seems kind of small now compared to what he, is is doing you know what i mean yeah yeah for sure and and so i don't know how that's gonna work because i mean but like people like eric reed and stuff like that who's still uh in their prime you know well caps in i won't say he's in his prime but he's still on the downhill of his prime but eric reed is still in his prime people like that they should be able to get a job and stuff and the milling stuff shouldn't be that big of a factor but um you know apparently i, I never think that the national anthem would have so much we talking about something that no one paid attention to at all. Yeah, that's that's so, uh, yeah. I didn't even like, care about it that much. <laughs> right, I never gave it a a thought. So now it's like no more like, are they standing? Are they kneeling? Are they cross leg? Are they doing this? Are they doing that? You know, and I like I like what Marshawn Lynch said. He's like, I've never stood for the anthem. You just never noticed. Oh really? You know, 
Yeah, like he came out and said something like he's been doing this. He's been doing this for years. Like, well, I think. Why should I stop? Well, I think it's kind of funny too. If we're gonna put all this on the anthem, then it's like, all right, well, you can't get a beer during the anthem. You can't get a you know nachos during the anthem because it's like because you walk through there and they're you know places are still serving, people are still going to the bathroom. You know what I mean? So well, some things are just for show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just a for show thing. Like you want to have this going on, that going on. Yeah. You know, but but hey. That's you know it's complicated because the situation is complicated. It needs to be complicated. You know, like sports is a reflection of society, and society's having to deal with these things right now. Right, it's finding common ground for everybody to talk about it. But speaking of which, if you guys want to talk about it, follow us on s at uh, s underscore drinks. I'm Powell. I'm Walker. All right, take care. All right, guys, we out.